0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Entrepreneurship Through Acquisition podcast, sponsored by the Polsky Center for Entrepreneurship at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. I'm Brian O'Connor, adjunct professor of entrepreneurship at Chicago Booth. And joining me today, I have the pleasure of having on the show uh, my teaching partner and co-professor Mark Agnew, who is also the president and CEO of Lou the iconic and only name in Chicago deep dish pizza. Mark, thanks for being on. In addition to being my teaching partner and co-professor, Mark is a dear friend. Uh, So we we know how busy you are, Mark, and (laughs) how much you have going on. So really appreciate you
1: being here. I love being here. It's going to be fun.
0: Uh, also joining us, um, we had such an accretive experience with Ag- Alex Hodgkin's uh, participation on our last podcast, so uh, we've asked him to come on. Alex is a entrepreneur in residence at the Polsky Center um, and instrumental to all things uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition at University of Chicago. Uh, so Alex, thanks for, for being back with us.
2: Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me, guys. Great. So, um,
0: so Mark, uh, we've got you here. The first thing, our listeners need to know, deep dish or thin crust?
1: For sure, deep dish. Okay. Preferably butter crust.
0: Okay. Pepperoni, sausage, something
1: different? Spinach. Um, but if, if it was my last meal, it would be sausage.
0: Okay. Dine-in, carry-out, delivery? Yes. <laughs> How many times are you eating pizza per week?
1: You know, it varies between 2 and 20. Okay. Um, How about this? And, and it shows, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I do feel um, uh, like I need to get back in the gym. Um, uh, this week, I had—I just had it for lunch. So I had a sausage, a uh, Chicago classic slice at lunch, but just one slice. So the key is to only do uh, one um, slice or two slices at tops per meal.
0: See, I don't have that type of self-restraint.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very few people do. <laughs> Including me. <laughs>
0: Mark, uh, why don't we start with your story? Your ETA path is unique, uh, and I think our listeners would find it very interesting. So maybe start kind of at the beginning. Sure. Um, your early career, how you got involved in the Malnati's organization, uh, because it truly is a, a special ETA story.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, uh, again, great to be here. Um, and can hop hop in um, when, when you're... When you're ready. Uh, so I started at Malinati's, you know, early in high school. It was my first job, uh, answering the phones, making pizzas. Uh, worked a lot in our Taste of Chicago business over breaks, um, and you know, really got a chance to learn um, what it is to be part of a small company uh, and to have relationships with people to be, inve- be invested in. Particularly as a as a junior uh, and senior in high school, but also to just watch. Um, our people um, grow and, and be pushed uh, at Malnati's um, professionally and personally. And so um, the Malnati family, Rick and Mark Melnatti became close mentors um, of mine uh, early on. Uh, Rick wrote my college recommendation um, and and, and uh, just loved uh, being part of the Malnati family. Uh, and then um, <clears throat> I heard about this thing called a merger and acquisition my senior year in college, and I couldn't believe Um, what they were paying uh, investment bankers in the late 90s. And so I I determined that um, I loved mergers and acquisitions, even though I didn't really know what that was. (laughs) Went uh, went out to uh, Wall Street, did that for a little bit, and worked in private equity, went back to business school, um, worked um, for two uh, great uh, mentors of mine also, Paul Furlow and Aaron Mubarak at Dixon Midland Post Business School, um, helping buy and and, um, take an operational role in businesses there. And then through a, a, just a couple of lucky kind of coincidence, uh, happenstance, um, ended up um, through one of our quarterly breakfasts with Mark Malnati because he was still very involved in my life uh, throughout all college and, and up and through business school. Um, he asked me if I'd come back and help um, lead uh, the business with him and the rest of the management team Um, as they're thinking about some pretty exciting um, growth opportunities. And, And,
0: and, Mark, what what year was that, just for reference?
1: That was in 2010. Uh, So uh, we had about a three- or four-month kind of conversation, and I got to spend some time with the management team uh, to make sure it was a good fit uh, for both uh, Lou Malnati's and me and uh, worked out an economic arrangement with Mark. um, And uh, off we went, and that was about eight years ago. And the journey's been unbelievable. It's been... uh, you one of the greatest blessings of my life.
0: Now, you're, you're currently the president and CEO. In 2010, that was not the uh, sort of contemplated role for you coming into that, the organization. Let's talk a little bit about sort of your entry point into Melnati's, the role, the responsibilities, how that looked um, for you and how you thought about uh, that role and its evolution for you in your career. It, it, yeah you, know, you you started at a very young young yeah. age at Melnatis you obviously saw something in the organization that that drew you back excuse me drew you back um let's talk about how you thought about your entry uh role and and it evolving over time Yeah
1: I mean I, I think uh we talk a lot in our class about finding mentors uh and it it's kind of a tricky uh thing to um be talking to your mentor about working with your mentor Uh and so we um I think first and foremost Mark and I um worked hard on uh, setting up some, um, you know, roles and responsibilities and, um, and some uh, kind of a test period to make sure it was a right fit uh, organizationally. I, I wanted to come in and be successful. Um, so did Mark. Um, and it, the company is, uh, you know, deeply personal to Mark and the rest of the employees at Malnati. So um, we kind of started off saying, Hey, why don't we for the first year, um, have you just learn the business, um, be called our chief financial officer, even though uh, finance won't be reporting into you uh, in fact, um, we got to an agreement that i'd have no direct reports for the first year and would just work in the business, learn to people, create relationships, and buy in uh, and then after a year or two years we'd start to um, find out um, if it was a good fit uh, for both of us um, and then um, really partner together to um, kind of scale the business and then i kind of my role and responsibility would start to evolve and change
0: let 's talk about that that first year i mean you you Uh, were, you know, relatively early in your career, you were hungry, you wanted to take on the world, how might have that (laughs) helped you uh, in that role and maybe even been uh, a challenge for
1: you? Yeah, I'd say mostly hurt me, (laughs) (laughs) despite Mark really mentoring me still while I was there. I think um, uh, in hindsight, I wish I could tap myself on the shoulder and say, hey, uh, you might want to do it a little differently. Um, Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, uh, some of the things that uh, resonate with me is um, seek to understand, not be understood. I, I wanted to prove myself and prove my worth. and It was more, mostly about me and not my team. Uh, that, those were some huge mistakes. Um, I also think, um, you know, I, although I try to approach the business from a learning perspective and, and do every position in the company, which I did, uh, I could have approached it probably more humbly um, and uh, really gotten uh, in the shoes of the, my teammates yep. um, and serve them uh, and ask them how I can help support you versus like, hey, here's some things I'm noticing.
0: Be- because I know some of these stories so well, I'm going to tease <laughs> them out here. Okay.
2: How, Fantastic.
0: How about uh, an anecdote maybe um, of something you might have done different to, uh, in those early days to prove yourself worthy, but at the same time, Gain the the trust and the partnership of those employees around you that had been instrumental in taking the business from where it, to, to where it was when you entered.
1: Yeah, I think a, like a a really um, kind of uh, clear memory I had is after about um, six months of my store visits, uh, I, I transitioned from kind of working three or four days a week in the stores to going at, uh, one night a week, uh, usually on a Friday. Um, to a store and working with the team and I would send our chief operating officer and the district manager that are kind of running the locations kind of a, a, a summary of how the night went. Um, and it was the pros and the cons and the opportunities that we saw that I saw at at each individual store. I, I think, um, after I had done that for about six months, um, one of our business coaches, Rich Blue kind of found out that we, I had been doing that. And he asked um, how I thought I was going, and I, th- I thought I had been going great. And he also asked, you know, did anyone ask you to, to do that? And I said, no. <laughs> I mean, but everyone wants feedback in our company. Um, and so we went around one by one, and all the district managers were kind of, um, you know, they were not looking forward to those Friday night emails, uh, and they were hoping I was not going to be in their stores because it, um, it created a bunch of just... Um, of work that didn't that uh, and, and relational work that um, you know I, I I regret not really saying hey how can I serve you and work with you uh, again it's more about me proving myself versus uh, supporting them so really good lesson uh, for me there and my team uh, has forgiven me um, I went back and and then worked with my team uh, better uh, and I, it was I think another lesson about um, trying to be more of a servant leader versus you know, dictating um, and uh, and there's a balance there, right? You sometimes have to uh, push the organization, but I think early on, it's really learning the business yeah. um, versus uh, um, telling everyone what you think.
0: Well, I mean, because it sounds like you're uh, still to this day uh, beating yourself up about <laughs> some of that. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I think that you know, I I, th- I think a lot of what you were doing there uh, was right. I mean, you were in, you were in the stores, you were rolling up your sleeves, you were in the trenches, you were. Learning the business from the front lines, which is fantastic, Sure. and it's an amazing way to meet people. I think you might have just thought about what you did with those learnings um, in in the moment.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, a little I, bit different. I'm still, I and mean, we've talked about this. <laughs> I'm still working on um, the way um, and the manner in which, and the uh, I give feedback because uh, oftentimes I'm giving feedback. The person needs to be open and needs to be ready to really receive it. Um, I can sometimes just give it immediately because um, I'll forget it or I'll move on. Uh, and so I think I'm learning, and I'm still on this journey, um, really preparing organized um, feedback that's at, at the right time uh, and then um, really trying to drive the change uh, with accountability.
0: Well, I think one of the things that I've observed uh, you do well is is ask the feedback, um, the, the counterparty, if they're ready and interested in, in feedback. And I think that that, um, uh, sharing that oftentimes in the moment, but making sure that the, the other person is, uh, ready to, uh, accept and embrace. And-
2: Has anyone ever said no to that? Question yeah, you know, it's funny. It just, I, we just <laughs> talked about
1: that. Like, Hey, you know, when you ask if I'm ready, what if I say no? And I said, you know, I want you to say no. Um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, but i want I want you to have uh, an opportunity i want to have an opportunity to give it to you well th- uh, so this that goes both ways so i think we're still working through that right now literally right now at melnatis
0: this this style of candid uh, communication direct feedback openness i think has become um really uh core to the culture at melnatis maybe yeah. we can talk a little bit about the evolution of that culture yeah. um it's uh, from getting to know the organization through you and through uh, you know, my relationship with with Mark and Rick and um, the rest of, of the team, uh, it's it's clear uh, that the culture is is um, you can it's palpable. Um, and I think that it it starts with a lot of this feedback, commitment to uh, working with one another to improve and just be better and, yeah. and open dialogue. Talk about the where that all sort of began and, yeah. and how it's evolved and how it what role it plays in the culture at Malnati.
1: Yeah, and, and, and uh, this whole commitment to what we call relationships, healthy relationships, uh, was founded and started by Mark Malnati. And so I didn't create any of it. I'm just, I just didn't believe, in it, believe in it and embraced it, and we're trying to continue to evolve and get better at it. But um, Mark took over as the kind of president of the company at 22. We had uh, two or three locations, I think two at the time, uh, no, three. Because um, we closed one, um, and because his father passed away at an early age, and so uh, as Mark started to grow the business uh, in his early in later twenties, um, there's starting to be conflicts between um, the different managers across the locations, um, and so he um, brought in uh, a business coach uh, to help really have honest uh, relationships and honest and conversations with one another to deal with conflict out there in a in a way that um, is uh, public and so to eliminate gossip um, and to really air grievances in a kind of a 100 percent responsible way Uh, and so um, there's there's been a long history of those types of meetings we still meet with our business coach every four weeks uh, as an executive team Uh, same one in fact uh, from the 80s um, who's helped us kind of continue to evolve and curate um, the way that we do relationships. But yeah, it, it, first and foremost starts with investing in one another, um, which I think creates um, a level of trust. Cause if you feel like you're being talked to with candor um, and honesty and, and, and from a place of, uh, I think mutual respect and I like to use the word love, um, you, cr- you can create incredible um, organizational wherewithal and, and, ability to take risk and uh, really drive the business, which um, you know, Mark did with his team um, for the last thirty years, and uh, in the last eight years, uh, we've continued on that legacy. So you ad- you adopt
0: this model, you, you it becomes part of your culture, and and then your organization becomes conflict free, right? Is that no, the there's it- conflict
1: every day, <laughs> uh, but we try to address it. Yeah, and we have rules, and we and we have these um, kind of we hold each other accountable to it. And so, you know, if we hear something what we call gossip, you know, we have a 24 hour rule to really address that with the person you're talking about. And, and, you know, we're not perfect and I'm not perfect at that, but we try to really, um, we, we try to really, uh, create that level of trust and engagement, uh, with each other. Now,
0: so, um, you're in a, you're in a a people business, um, 4,000 give or take, uh, employees, um, uh, working uh, at the Malnati's organization organization, um, you're in the food service business. Um, how important is uh, this feedback and 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 relate the relational model that you're talking about in for, for our listeners that are contemplating making an investment uh, in a business that's an IT service company with 100 employees? I mean, does it, do, do some of these same Principles carry through. How much? What's the relative importance of what we're talking about here in your organization, with yeah. it uh, with a, with a well, company that might be much smaller in a in a different sort
1: of business model? You can quantify everything, basically, right? So we look at like just our turnover rates versus industry. We look at uh, all sorts of training costs. So uh, I can rattle off a bunch of stats on that, but uh, and we talk a lot about this in our class. What gets measured gets done. Um, and so we measure our culture. So we taught we we ha- we have posters in all of our stores about. Basically, a couple questions, but the the main question is: Would you recommend your friend work at Lumel Nadi's? Uh, and and we work and and if you do, I, we think and we believe and we there's we haven't run like really probably um, booth approved quantitative analysis on this, uh, but there's I think a strong correlation between our our customer satisfaction and our uh, employee satisfaction. Yeah. And so, and that drives EBITDA, uh, and it drives uh, it drives the performance of the business. And so, um, uh, I'd say it's super relevant um, for really any company, um, but um, particularly companies that um, rely on people. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So you 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 started to go down the path that I was I was going to go next. Uh, not surprisingly, the the EBITDA impact um, because you're clearly making both time and. Uh, capital monetary investments into culture um, how do you, how do you think about you know the actual tangible impact or maybe it's more intangible on EBITDA and how do you think about the return on those uh, monetary and and time investments
1: yeah I mean we could we could you know spend a lot of time on uh, how we quantify all that, but um, i I'd, I'd basically say um, it 's the bedrock of who we are. Uh, It will never change. So in many ways, it it is, um, I don't um, really need to run a lot of analysis on um, the EBITDA impact because we believe in it so much. Um, But um, you always, I think, always check uh, your intuition with facts and and data and numbers. And and so uh, we think it's very high return on our time um, with uh, investing all sorts of hours and and really what we call eyeball time to work on our relationships with one another. I just left a what we call, we, one of our leadership development programs called Compass. I left a Compass Coaches meeting um, this morning to come down here and uh, it was powerful. And it, and it was a couple hours. And I, I don't know, there's a lot of salary if you actually quantified everyone's salary that was in the room. Uh, it was a, you know, a, a huge amount of um, people and, and uh, salary in the room. but. Um, we got a lot done together.
0: Well, that, well, that, that's the investment side of the ROI equation, right? I think that I think the R is. Um, the, the, I mean, and and uh, Mark, I, I I know this just through our relationship, but. Um, your your employee retention and and conversely turnover is like best in class, yeah. right? And and there's there's real tangible expense associated with uh, uh, you know losing and then training up and and turnover uh, at all levels of your organization. So maybe share with us what you can or what you care to on some of that because I think that that, that has meaningful impact and then and then i think also you know there's when you when you have that type of uh commitment to one another as employees of the malnati's organization you, that, that then carries through to the customers in your restaurants sure. and and, sure. and 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 the the fact that there is such a high degree of brand loyalty and people that return time and time again. That's right. Yeah, I'd be
2: curious, too, to, uh, you know, touching on that point, if you could chat a little bit about, you know, um, uh, in the context maybe of cultural or maybe tangential to it is, uh, you know, the notion of alignment, too, in terms yeah. of your organization. How do you get everybody aligned across the different, you know, aspects of it to kind of sure. achieve those ends?
1: Yeah, I mean, j- from a, for, j- first, Brian, your question, just, you know, um, industry stats, you know, industry turnover in, in our sector is over 50% of the manager level or under 10 uh, so from a cost perspective, Amazing. it's you know seven figures, um, and then and then um, but I think the bigger impact on the business is the revenue side because uh, you know we have someone in Wilmette, Amy Curtis, who's been with us over twenty years, and and she works uh, up front, um, you know as a as a key um, cashier uh, in our in our company, and she knows every basically every customer that comes in, and um, that's a really good thing for our business. Uh, and it's a really good thing for our employees um, also. And so um, I don't know how to quantify that, but I know our customers appreciate it.
0: Well, well I've been in that Wilmet location on a Friday <laughs> evening, yeah, and I, I can tell you there, there, there are a lot of <laughs> moving right. pieces contributing to that's the right. high revenue production that's going on <laughs> that's there, right. uh, right. many of them back in the kitchen. I'll tell you, I, ne- I, I felt like I needed a nap after uh, <laughs> that experience. But. Yeah.
1: So I, 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 I again, it's a people business, so it's, it's hard to quantify, but... Um, I would say, Alex, to, to, to aligning, I, I think um, we start with each other, and so I think we align on our principles of being um, in an open and honest and, and constructive relationship with one another, uh, and then a complete commitment to quality uh, in everything we do. And, um, and, and that's got to be modeled at every, lo- at every location and every level of employee, and we really demand uh, a, a quality focus you know all with, with our product, of course, and I think people have come to expect. That, but also with our service, and, and usually that service comes with um, just strong um, teamwork with one another.
0: It, it's it's no secret that you've uh, you know been a part of and, and led much of the uh, growth and success of Malnati's uh, over the recent past. How do you how do you preserve what you're talking about here? Those commitments to quality and commitments to one another as employees, as that employee grade, as that employee base uh, grows in lockstep with the growth of your organization. Yeah,
1: I think you have to innovate, and so we have we constantly are thinking about how can we stay small as we get big, uh, and the ways I, the best way that we know how, and this, I don't know if this is right or not, but um, is to spend more time with one another and innovate pr- uh, programs and in, and really uh, curriculum. Uh, about um and processes around being in a relationship with one another so we're we're, we just launched maybe six months ago um kind of a leadership development course for every single employee in the company Uh, that's new and we didn't need to do that really you know 10 years ago because we were out there's more leaders out in the stores Uh, and as we as we get bigger it's harder to spend more time one another with you know with with um, all the senior leaders in the company. So, um, I'd say it's through innovation, but it's through it's, it's through a commitment to one another and commitment to what what we think um, are our core kind of uh, really differentiators in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. Now, um, recently, you've uh, you've partnered up with um, with BD, the folks at BDT. Yep. Um, w- what is that? What does that mean for, for your business and the future of Malnati's?
1: Um You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm laughing because Brian was smiling as he, as he asked that question. Uh, you know, it means we've got a strong long-term partner uh, that's interested in uh, the long-term health uh, of our business. And so um, that, that means, um, you, know, uh, you know, people will be um, continuing to have opportunity in our company. Um, which is exciting as we grow. Um, and uh, Does this
2: also mean complete global domination of Chicago <laughs> deep-dish pizza? <laughs> is that... uh, I,
1: I think uh, we want to be uh, prudent in our growth. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the nice thing about uh, the folks at BDT is they really are long-term, and they, we're talking about 10, 20-year plans, not two or three. And, uh, and with that um, partner uh, who's really interested in the long-term health of the business, they're really trusting us to make the day-to-day decisions both on on the people side, but also on the growth side, um, and um, and you know how we're thinking about um, the next you know in the next ten to twenty years of our strategy.
0: Well, well, Alex, as uh, while they're taking a cautious, cautious and uh, calculated approach toward growth, I'm sure uh, you know that the world domination effort has already started through their shipping business. You can get you can get. Lumalnati's pizza anywhere in the world? Um, anywhere and, in
1: the in the U.S. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Anywhere anywhere in the U.S. So
2: that may be true, but as you know, I'm domiciled in Denver, and there are no Lumalnatis conspicuously in Denver at this time. So can I log a, right. a complaint or request with management uh, on I, that particular uh, one? <laughs> it, is,
1: it is logged and noted, uh, and uh, we won't be in Denver, uh, you know, for a while. So um, no, I think we're going to continue to expand our Chicago base, uh, and we're in Phoenix right now, and. Um, again, it's, it, our, our, our growth strategy uh, is centered around our people because if you don't have great people in our business, uh, it doesn't matter how great your product is, um, people won't come back. And so um, BDT gets that. Uh, our employees completely get that and are bought into that. And so as we, as we grow and scale our business, uh, it really comes back to having the right people in the right places, you know, leveraging their strengths um, as a as a kind of a unit um, at our stores uh, to deliver uh, the highest quality pizza uh, and service that we can.
0: Fantastic, Mark. As um, we all collectively uh, think about the uh, ETA ecosystem and its continued evolution, what advice might you have for the listeners that are uh, contemplating all of the various? avenues maybe maybe uh, they're thinking about a search fund they might be thinking about partnering up with a, a private equity fund they might be thinking about going off and 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 uh, trying to find a business out on their own uh, to acquire um, you know let's let's talk yeah. let's go back to y- yeah. your path a little bit and, yeah. and you know maybe some words of wisdom having gone through it and um, and and what might they they sort of think about as they're you know, pre- I, yeah, and,
1: and we we talk a lot about this, Brian, which which and Alex, we, we which I, I think we're all in agreement. Um, you know, be dogged in your pursuit of a fantastic opportunity because they're not always they're they're not easy to find, um, and be very pragmatic if you find a cool opportunity with a good company um, to figure out a way to to create um, economic value uh, both for the company and potentially for yourself, uh, and so. Um, I, I always thought I'd be like a majority owner CEO of a business. Uh, and, I, and I was not I mean, I came in, i um, not owning any Malnati's, um to start and, and as a CFO, because I was positive, this is a great business. And there's an opportunity to, to create um, an economic um, uh, alignment uh, between me and the business. And so over um, well, we,
0: over over time, over
1: time. And so I think, um, well, I think, this what's fun about the evolution ETA is it's, it's evolving. And I, and I still hear a lot of our students talk about it with, um, kind of a narrow focus. And, um, I, I think it's, um, it's going to be, it's going to continue that, that focus and continue to widen. Uh, well, I was talking to a former student today, just before this podcast about an opportunity he has, that's phenomenal. And it's, uh, to take an operating role in the company and have, um, a, an ownership piece in that business. And so um, lots of cool ways to skin the cat, uh, so to speak, in ETA, and it's exciting, and we've got incredible students at Booth um, that are really, you know, that is the global domination play. Is, it's <laughs> it not, is indeed the global domination not, it's play. Not the, it's not deep dish. It, it's, uh, it's having uh, Booth students and alums out there um, really leading cool businesses um, and 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 really creating really great opportunities for um, themselves and also the people that work in the businesses. Well,
0: so. I I think that's that's all great. I I think the one thing that I'd add, and it's a theme that I picked up on in you telling your story, Mark, is that you know the existence of um, someone or a group of people that are uh, advisors and mentors, and you have relationships that are that are based in complete transparency and candor and trust. So the Mark and Rick Malnati, uh, as an example, in the, in the uh organization. Paul and Aaron, who I've come to know as well, um, who were early career um, mentors of yours. Uh, wh- what's the, th- this as a path, the taking an operational role uh, with um, either uh, upfront economic ec- and equity, specifically participation in that opportunity or that building over time, what what what's the the level of importance in that mentor trusted advisor relationship
1: yeah i mean i think it's it's, it's situation dependent um and, and and um you know for me specifically i didn't feel comfortable right out of business school uh, really having a, a ton of rope um, I, it really felt like i needed to be groomed and mentored and and and, and i needed to see some uh, some real live action as an operator before i felt comfortable really leading a business and so um, I think it's, it's each person um, dependent, but for me, um, I've benefited greatly throughout my life, uh, from high school all the way through now. I still have many mentors that I'm very involved with, including Mark Maldotti, which I get to work with, which is amazing, um, to, uh, to, to invest in me, point out things that they, they see in me, and then really cheer, cheer me on. Uh, and so we talk about in our class a lot, is just finding people that um, you believe in and trust uh, that will help support you uh, in your life. And, and uh, I think a men- uh, the best mentor uh, is going to talk to you about your life, not just about your business life. Uh, and uh, the mentors I had uh, that I've been blessed with um, have really in- in- influenced me across the spectrum from being a father um, and a husband and a son and a brother as well as a, a colleague. Um, and, and, Mark, I would ask you I
2: know that this was, you know, your mentor was sort of something that uh, was organic and happened, you know, during the course of your, your childhood and, and, and so on. But uh, do you have any advice for folks that may be looking for mentors for ways to kind of, you know, identify them yeah. or cultivate those relationships? Add
1: value, because um, I think we talk a lot about that. If you're going men- to be mentored, you want to add value to the mentee. Um, and so, uh, and a lot of our students say, like, I don't have anything, this person's really successful. And I, and I say, again, that's kind of like pursuing this ETA path. Um, you know, be pragmatic and thoughtful and creative about how you can add value and how you can uh, create an opportunity for you in some of these cool businesses. Uh, and so um, oftentimes um, I tell our ARC students, you know, listen to people that you want to be mentored by and then craft how you can add value um, as, as, as you hear what they're really looking for in their life. Because the best relationships are both ways. Um, I hope that the people that mentor me feel like I'm providing value to them. Um, and I think I am. And I know they're adding value to me. And that's probably why we've got great relationships. And uh, And so really look to add value.
0: Yeah, that's that's great advice.
1: The last question I have
0: is is sort of the inverse of a, of a previous question. If you're a business owner, if you're, if you're Mark Melnati, what are some of the things that the business owner that might be listening to this podcast should be thinking about when evaluating, you know, allowing someone like Mark Agnew into the inner circle uh, with the possibility of giving up some control, perhaps uh, some of the economics, what 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 might those considerations look like
1: yeah I, I i again super situational dependent but um the candidate probably the strengths of the candidate we I'm a big believer in trying to marry strengths Mark Melnatti and I one of the reasons why I think our partnership's gone great is we have different strengths we have similar strengths in, in some areas, but we approach the world kind of differently from a strategic perspective, and I think that that's been a great um, it's been a great kind of marriage between the two of us uh, and so um looking for uh, someone that uh, might attack business problems uh, from a different angle, um, but also uh, aligned, I think, Alex, you talked about, is aligned in terms of uh, values and principles. And and, um, and, 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 you know, as, as and it would be fun to get Melnati in here or a couple of the other people that we've, that we've talked to about what, what they look for, but um, I think a lot of times uh, a business owner gets a, it gets a little hung up on uh, the control aspect. Um, and um, I think there's ways around, um, you know, that uh, to be creative um, uh, about how, how you can really uh, balance um, control versus um, really what's best uh, for um, everyone involved and, and, and really growing these businesses. So um, lots, sure. of, lots of cool conversations that I think business owners can have with um, potential partners.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we, uh, we can all – we've been on – Multiple sides of this thing, and I think we can all appreciate that. You know, it's never an easy decision. Uh, to to you know, this is oftentimes uh, one's life's work, sure. and uh, in this case, uh, their family name is attached to it, and so it's a it's a it's a big decision.
1: It's absolutely, yeah. deeply personal,
0: um, Mark awesome to chat. We chat on a daily basis, but this one was recorded. That's right. Uh, That's right. So,
1: <laughs> Make sure we edit out anything that didn't go well.
0: <laughs> no, awesome to have you on the show. It's about time. We've we've had uh, my dear friend, my colleague, uh, my teaching partner, uh, Mark Agnew, on the show. Um, we Mark had to work here.
2: out the kinks. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and
1: I'm looking forward to returning the favor interviewing you, Brian and Alex, uh, at some future podcast. So uh, the, the roles will be reversed. Well,
2: and Mark, when you get your own podcast, I assure you, I will listen to every (laughs) single one of them.
0: (laughs) Okay, great. Okay, thanks to all the listeners. On behalf of the Polsky Center and Chicago Booth, big thanks to Mark Agnew, and uh, we'll get you next time.